Well, today we are, it feels like we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for three months, and the truth is we have been on Sermon on the Mount for three months. So today we're going to continue that series. Before we do, though, let me mention a couple of things to you. Um, I mentioned last week to you, but we've got our women's conference coming up October 9th and 10th. Ladies, don't forget about that. You want to get signed up for it. Also, I want to remind you, um, we've got, uh, man, we love kids around here, if you couldn't tell. Um, but we love kids around here, and we've got Kids Fest coming up October 29th. It's a Saturday from 2 to 6 p.m. Um, go grab one of these. Invite everybody you know. Get them out here. It's a free event. It's totally free. It's just our way to love on our community and just to introduce the love of Christ to people around here and there aren't enough free events in our community and so we want to do a free event and just love on them so it's going to be fun uh, it'll be come and go so bring your kids bring your neighbor's kids get them here on august 29th also want to remind you if you're a guest with us today there's a guest card like this one please fill it out drop it off at our cafe let us know your guest we'd love to connect with you just get to know you a little bit more um, another way you can connect with us besides this card is connecting with us via social media whether it's on facebook you can like our facebook page it's indiana or indiana summit church or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Indiana underscore Summit. And we'd love to connect with you, just get to know you a little more as well. So please do that when you get a chance. Um, one last announcement, and some of you already know this, but um, a few months after I arrived as the pastor at the Summit in, in 2014, I came in January 2014, and a few months later, um, we did away with our Saturday night service. And... Um, there were some people that weren't very happy about that, to be perfectly honest with you, but it was the right choice to make at the time. And in fact, after we cut a service, we grew. And so um, we just weren't doing that service with the excellence that, that we expected in our normal services. So we, we cut that service and we grew. And my commitment was, if we need it, we'll bring it back. And we need it, so we're bringing it back. And so uh, Saturday night service is... Um, <laughs> Smattering people, all right. <laughs> Saturday night services will be starting back here at the summit uh, September 12th. That's a Saturday night. So there'll be Saturday nights at 6.30 p.m. Um, you can expect on Saturday evenings exactly what you'd see on Sunday morning. So uh, the same level of worship, um, the, the same mediocre messages, the uh, same kids ministry. So everything you see on Sunday morning, you're going to see on Sunday night. And it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort on the part of our team and volunteers. And so I appreciate them. But this is an opportunity. As we are growing and expanding, this is an opportunity for some of you that, that call this church home to get plugged in and become a part of serving. And one of the reasons serving is important is not just so that we can uh, have more people helping or make the load lighter, but when we serve, it helps activate our faith. It helps us grow in our faith. It helps us connect with other believers. Uh, as we serve alongside other people, we build relationships. And so I just want to encourage you. This is an incredible opportunity for, for you to say, hey, I, I want to begin to serve in a service. I want to find uh, a place on the tech team or, or a place on the host team as an usher or greeter, whatever it might be. And if you say, I don't know anything about technology, I can't run cameras, I can't do any of that stuff, we will train you. We will help you. Um, because what we're doing here is really important. You believe that or you wouldn't be here. Um, but I want you to believe it so much you say, I want to be a part of it. And so uh, as we are expanding and growing, we need you to be a part of that. So if you're not currently serving someplace but you'd like to be, stop by the Info Center, fill out a volunteer application, um, go online to our website and find out the ways you can serve, get plugged in. So Saturday night services will begin the weekend after Labor Day, so that's uh, September 12th at 6.30 p.m. Please invite your friends. Uh, let's fill up our Saturday nights. Uh, let's see what God does in those times together. So uh, I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be great. So uh, just don't forget about that. We'll have invite cards coming up next week uh, to have you that you can take to work, pass out all those kind of good things. 
So let me jump back into our message today. Um, continuing Sermon on the Mount, and um, we're at a portion of Scripture that we've talked about to some degree. Um, but, but Jesus is in Matthew chapter 6 now. In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 19. But this, again, is Jesus talking to his disciples, to people who don't even believe in him or just curious, and then people who really don't like him very much and are trying to figure out a way to get him, basically. And Jesus is just sharing the word, and he's unpacking truth for them in a way that, that some of them have never really heard it before. And, and so we're going to pick it up in Matthew 6, verse 19. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in to steal. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's questioning the treasures of the people that were there. He's saying, what is it that you treasure? What is it that you love? What is it that you value? Because when you value things on earth, guess what? It's going to go away. It's going to corrode. It's going to break down. This last week, um, I, I was... Uh, I'm such a manly man. I was doing some light plumbing in our bathroom, and um, and I was I was turning this wrench, and and I literally I bumped this copper pipe under my sink. I I, I mean bumped it, and this hole blew open, and water starts pouring out. And you know me, I did exactly what you're supposed to do. I, ah, like ah, like I'll hold it in the pipe. And what am I doing? You know. <laughs> So I knocked this hole in, I shut the water off, I, you know, emptied the pile, I got everything I needed to do. But it was just a vivid reminder that everything in this world is breaking down, that, that things are not inherently improving in our lives. The house that you worked so hard to buy, it's going to take maintenance. It's not going to stay that beautiful house for the rest of your life. That car that, that you scrimped and saved for, maybe you took out a bunch of debt on, whatever the case may be, it's beautiful and it's fancy until you drive off the lot, and then it's not worth as much as it was five minutes before, right? It is depreciating in value. So, so what God and what Jesus is saying to us is, what are you valuing? Are you valuing the things of this world? Or are you valuing the spiritual things, the things of heaven? Because the things of heaven don't depreciate in value. But the things of this world inherently depreciate, inherently lose their value. See, the treasures are the things that we love, the, the things that we value, the things that we care about. And Jesus is, is questioning that. And it's funny to me, sometimes people say, hey, we're not, we shouldn't talk about money in church. We shouldn't talk about that kind of thing. But Jesus talked about it a lot. In fact, it was pretty blatant. He just said, hey, don't, don't value the things of this world. Don't treasure the things of this world. Treasure heaven. Treasure spiritual things instead. He's kind of confronting those value questions head on. And then he goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what Jesus is saying is you, your, your heart follows your treasure. The things you invest in, your heart will inevitably follow. And if you don't believe me, maybe, maybe you've been... Um, Maybe you've ever invested in the stock market. And when you invest in the stock market, maybe it's just a little bit, but you begin looking at the paper every day, or you begin following the ticker. You want to see what is my, my investment. Because why? Because your heart follows your treasure. Where you invest, your heart follows that. I, I've told, this before, told you this before. At my last church, we had a dance school, and it was a, it was a big dance school. Um, and I don't love theatrical dance. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but I don't. It, I'm not a huge fan, but my girls loved to dance. They wanted to be involved in dance. So we were making an investment every month for our girls to be in dance. So I didn't miss a show. 
Why? Well, I love my girls, but I spent a lot of money. I'm going to video every one of these shows. I'm going to get my money's worth, right? I wanted to know what was going on in the dance program because I was invested in the dance program. I wanted to know what was happening because that's where my money was going. As a result, my heart followed that. And we see this pattern over and over and over and over that the things we invest in tend to be the things we love. But I would say this as well, that, that sometimes our, our treasure follows our heart. Our heart and our treasure, the relationship we have between these two things are inseparable. You can't say that you don't love the things you invest in unless, unless you, the things you're investing in is your taxes, all right? Um, and, and we won't even go there. We could get really anointed if we start talking about property tax here. Um, but but we, won't, we won't go there. We'll, we'll, we'll have prayer afterwards if you need prayer for your property tax. But, um, but even that, even our property tax, isn't that some, says something about what we value? Well, if, if I didn't value Indiana, if I didn't value where I live, if I didn't value my house or my community, the, those kind of things, I wouldn't pay taxes here. I'd go move somewhere else where a smaller tax rate. I'd... I, Right? I would, I would leave the country. I would go find some place where I didn't have to pay taxes. So my value, I don't want to pay taxes, but I value my community more than that. Does that make sense? So even when we pay taxes, it tells us something about our values. See, no one has to convince us to spend money on the things we love, do we? I told, I told you last week, I don't remember if I told both services or not. With my oldest daughter, Abby, if I want to punish her, I take away books. I take away her reading privileges because she loves to read. In fact, this girl, she will get birthday money or she'll earn money uh, by doing chores or things like that. And she will already have the money spent on books. And it is not a problem for her to buy books because she loves books. So money will fly out of her wallet for books because she loves it. She doesn't look at it as a chore, an obligation. She's excited about it because she loves it. And there are some of you in this room, and, and some of you are not going to be excited about this part, but some of you in this room, um, it is, you spend thousands on hunting, and it's no problem. It is a deer stand, and it is the lease, and it's the equipment, and it's the gun, and it's the, all those kind of things, and you don't even think about it. Why? Because you love it. The money flies, and your wife says, what are you doing that? And you're like, because we can eat meat from it. But really, it's not about the meat. You just love to hunt. It's about being out in the woods. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we will invest there, and the money will fly out of our pockets. We have no problem with it because it's what we love. Before you mistake me for one of the people that don't love guns, I've got guns in my house, okay? So don't come around my house at 2 a.m., I promise. I'll show them to you, okay? (laughs) I love baseball, and I've made that clear. I love baseball. Um, and, and there are people in this room that find my devotion for baseball uh, absurd because I will go to a game, and I, I like getting good seats at the game. And so I will spend some money to sit in the good seats at the game. And, and you can't just go to the game. You've you got to get a program. You've got to get a souvenir. You, you've got to go to the concession stand, and you get to the concession stand, and you walk up to the concession stand, and they hand you a, a, a an application and triplicate that you have to fill out in order to get anything in the concession stand because you have to fill out a second mortgage on your house in order to afford the $12 soda in the souvenir cup. Because Lord knows I'm not paying $8 for a soda. I'm paying four more dollars and getting a souvenir cup because my wife loves the 32-ounce plastic cups that I have all filled in my house, right? (laughs) So what do I do? I, I will spend money on the hot dogs and the sodas and the souvenirs, and I will walk away from there, and I will be totally happy. Do you know why? Because I love going to the ball game, 
and I love baseball. And so when it comes to those things, money will fly out of my pockets to pursue the things that I love. Does that make sense? And so what Jesus is saying, what he's calling into question is our value system. And he's basically saying, you value the things of this world, but do you value the things of heaven as much? You love the things of this earth, and that's just fine. There's nothing wrong with loving hunting or baseball or, or any of those kind of things. All those are good things. But what Jesus is doing is he's confronting our values, and he's saying, do you value me as much as you value those things? Do you love me as much as you love those things? See, sometimes in business, we talk, they talk about held values versus operational values. And held values are the things we say we value, the things we love. Well, our, our business is all about serving our community. But if what they do doesn't actually serve the community, then what difference does it make, right? And, and we're no different. Um, we, do this, we do this all the time. Um, it's pretty common. You see even in, um, have you ever seen a politician that they say, I'm all about family values, but then they are, um, they're, they're pro-choice and um, they, have, they cheat on their spouse and they, right? And they're like, well, come on now, you're not really family values, you, you're for abortion and you cheat on your wife. So really you don't value families, you just say you value families. That's a held value, but it's not an operational value. Does that make sense? And so for us, we're no different, though, because we do the same thing. We will say there's things we love or the things we care about, but then our hearts don't line up with that. We want to love certain things. We want to value certain things, but then operationally or functionally, it looks different. So it'll be things like, um, of course I'm not a racist. And then when you get with your friend, you tell racist jokes. So... No, I'm, I'm not a racist, but are, are you? Because you tell racist jokes behind the scenes. Or you say, man, I, I'm for my kids' education. I value our kids' education. But you have zero clue what's going on in your school, what's going on with the kids' grades, what's going on with your kids' classroom. There's no involvement. So, yes, you value, but do, do you value? We say we care about the United States. I love this nation. But most of us don't vote in our local elections. I love our community, but we, we don't go out and exercise our rights to vote. So do, do we love our community? Do we? Or are these held values versus operational values? So what we have to understand is that what we spend our money on tells, tells us what we really value. It is a revelation of what we truly value in this world, what we care about. And I will tell you this. If you look at Mike Bankledger, we spend a lot of money on eating out. That will tell you something about what we value. We value not having to cook at home, being in a rush, we're busy, we're, right? Is it bad to eat out? No, but it tells you what we value. It means I value meadows. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I'm ready for the meadows to close just for a while because I need it, okay? I'm just going to be real with you. See, what generosity does in our lives is it helps align our held values and our operational values. When we choose to be generous, when we choose to give, what it does is that it aligns our held values and our operational values. It keeps us from saying, I value this, 
when really we don't. So if, if, can I just be honest with you? When it comes to the church, we can say we love the church. We value the kingdom of God. We can't wait to see people saved. We can't wait to see the kingdom advancing. We can't wait to see uh, missions happening. But if we're not investing in it, then it's not an operational value. It's a held value. So what Jesus is doing is confronting our values. And he's saying, what is it that you really value? What is it that's really important to you? The church, uh, my previous church, we would, um, on Sunday mornings, we would pass the offering plates, buck, you know, the bu- buckets. And uh, it was funny because, um, you know, we'd say, hey, at this time, it's time to receive our tithing offering. And people would, ah, woohoo! You know, they'd be cheering. And woohoo! People would be excited. And we'd be like, well, wait a second, hold on now. A whole bunch of you aren't given. You're just liking to clap. You want everybody, you know what I mean? It's like, come on now. And sometimes that's how we operate. Because yes, we believe in generosity. Yes, we believe in giving. But man, it's hard. It's easy to hold that value. It's hard to operate in it. And if I can veer to this area, the purpose of the tithe wasn't for God to capture money from his people. The purpose of the tithe was for God to capture the heart of the people. Because when we give, it aligns us, it aligns our, our operational values with our, our, our professed values, with our held values. It makes those things line up. So if we don't really believe it, all of a sudden our heart starts to come into a line. And we go, okay, God, maybe you're right. When, when we see tithe in the Old Testament, I had somebody recently that said, Mel, the, the tithe is for Old Testament, it's not for New Testament. But if you remember back in the same series, back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill the law. And in fact, um, anybody who marginalizes or lessens the value or slackens any of the law is going to be the, less, the least in the kingdom of heaven. So when we say, nah, it's no big deal if you give, it is a big deal if you give, but it's not a big deal for me. <laughs> it's a big deal for you. God says, I want your heart, and the way to your heart sometimes goes through your finances. So the purpose of giving at the end of the day is for our hearts and our values to be aligned with the values of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, let me go on. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, what this is saying is the things we look upon are the things we'll long for. Okay? Uh, the things we think about, look at, and set our gaze upon are the things that we will desire. And the things that we desire set the course for what we become. Think about it. Think about the things that you have desired in your life. Man, I, I got to get a boat. I need a fishing boat. Nothing wrong with a fishing boat. I got to get a fishing boat. Well, I'm going to, I got to work more hours to get that boat. So I'm going to have to work some overtime. Uh, because of that, I'm probably going to have to miss a ball game here or there. I won't miss them all. I'm only going to have to miss a couple, you know, the, the late games or early games. And so what happens? The thing you value d- dictates your actions. Does that make sense? And we see this over and over and over again in our lives. Man, we, we're, we're saving up for that house. It's more house than we want. It's our dream house. We've got to have this house. Well, we're going to have to work harder. We're both going to have to get second jobs. Instead of doing that, why don't we go, okay, is this a value that lines up with God or is this just something we want? Is this just something that is, is an earthly value that has no heavenly sense? How many of you are old enough to remember Christmas catalogs? There are people in the room that are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. 
Next week when all of our IUP students are back, they really would have no idea what we're talking about. My favorite time of the year as a kid, because we didn't have the interweb, we didn't have 155,000 channels, we had four channels, okay? And we didn't have the remote, it was the clicker, click, 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 you know what I'm talking about? There was no cell phones, there were no iPads, and so the time of year when the JCPenney Christmas catalog would come in the mail, oh my gosh, it was the best day of the year. I mean, I would, I would wait for it, and it would show up, and it would be like, oh, like a light from heaven down on this catalog. And I would lay on the floor, on my stomach, looking at the catalog, flipping the page, and I would circle things. I mean, circle, circle, circle. It's June, and I'm circling things for Christmas, right? Why? Because these are the things I wanted, and I would look at it, and I would drink it all in, and that would be what my Christmas was all about. I, wanna, I want this, and I want that, and I, man, I want the Optimus Prime Transformer, and I got to have the Millennium Falcon, but I want the big one, and I, you know, that's, it was all in the catalog, and I would set my gaze upon it, and it would capture me, right? And this is what happens in our lives. We don't outgrow that. We see that thing, and we go, I need that. I want that. Is there anything wrong with having things? No. But what are we valuing? What are the things we, we really care about? Because it sets the course for our lives. And what this is saying here, if our eye, if the lens of our life is, is filtered through God and his desires for us and his, his heart for us, then all of a sudden that eye begins to see things differently in the world. It's not just about consumption or accumulation. It becomes about how can I serve or how will this bless or how will this help or how will this further God's kingdom? And that's the lens that we look at. And that's the lens that we see here. And it changes everything about our lives. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's that simple. And a lot of times we will disguise greed as thriftiness or as frugalness. But at the end of the day, we cannot serve God and money. God will not share space with anyone or anything else. If you look at the, the word money here, the word money comes from an Aramaic word, mammon. And uh, mammon, it, it literally means riches or money. In the Hebrew, though, it goes on a little further and it says uh, that mammon is riches or money in which one trusts. And so what we're really saying is it's not about money, it's not about having money, but it's about our heart. Remember this whole thing, this whole series is about our heart. What happens is in our heart, um, what our desires are that are in our heart, what our motivation is. And so at the end of the day, this comes back to our heart because when we accumulate money, we have a view on it. And if our view is, this will serve me and give me security and give me what I need, and this will provide for me, and this is going to help me, then our view of it is wrong. It is mammon that we're serving and not God. It is money that we're serving and not God. Because at the end of the day, our provider is God. See, I get a check from the Summit Church every week. But if I lost my job and I didn't have an income from the Summit, do you know what? I'd still be okay because the summit is not my source. God is my source. There are, there are people that feel like money is their source for life, for health, for everything they've got. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is they are serving mammon. Are they bad? Are they evil? No, they're not evil intentioned. They don't have a bad heart, but they are, they're just wrong. They're sincerely wrong because they feel like, I love God, I want to go to heaven. But man, it's, it's about the money. I got to make money. I got to pay. And you do have to pay your bills. You, you, you got to. 
Try, try telling your landlord that God is your source, right? <laughs> They're not going to like that very much. Send the bank an IOU that says God will take care of this and see how they feel about that. It, they probably won't like it very much. So we have to have money. But when we view money as our source instead of God as our source, that's where we run into trouble. When we rely on mammon instead of God. First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money. Money is inanimate. Like saying that table on the stage, that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not. It's just a table, right? Money is a tool that we can use for God's glory or that we can use that will ultimately hurt us. It's what we do with that money, how we approach it, how we love it, how we value it that dictates the course of our lives. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus kind of makes a turn and he says, therefore I tell you, because of what I just said, this is what he's saying, because of everything I just said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And that's where, like, I would question scripture right there probably. I'd go, I don't know. Food's really important, God. I'm just kidding. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value to them than they? The truth is we get so focused on the wrong things. Probably very few of us in this room are wondering, what am I going to eat for lunch today? Those are questions that people encounter around the world. But for most of us in this room, we're probably not wondering, what am I going to eat today? My cupboard is bare. I don't have anything to, to consume, to keep me going. So, so for most of us, the questions are more like, um, how am I going to get what I want? How am I going to continue to maintain this lifestyle? How can I live with such a narrow margin in my finances? Those are some of the questions that we tackle. And in fact, it's not just for us. It goes back to the I thing. The things we see are the things we want. Um, Emma, I was walking through Lowe's yesterday with Emma after, um, after I was doing some of my, my heavy plumbing. Um, and so I'm walking through Lowe's with Emma, and we get, she said, Daddy, can I go look over there? And, and I'm standing in the plumbing section, and she's pointing at the, like, the home area. I'm sure. So she goes over there. And uh, so I'm finishing up, and she says, Daddy, come over here. So we walk over there, and she's standing in the countertops, Okay. She goes, Daddy, we need something like this in our house. And she's got, you know, a piece of granite. And I'm like, okay. And, or maybe this one. And she's walking through the options. And I said, how, how, come, how come you care? And she said, Daddy, I just want us to have a house like they have on HGTV. <laughs> maybe you were watching too much television, perhaps. Um, I don't remember ever thinking when I was nine, maybe we could upgrade the countertops in our kitchen, right? Like, Is Emma laying awake at night worrying about that? No. But the fact that she sees that and thinks that's something we should adjust or change, that's mildly concerning for me. Then I go, well, wait a second. What are we valuing? Why isn't our countertop good enough, right? Well, what is wrong with what we have? And if we're not careful, we fall into this trap where we go, hmm, I, I need that. I deserve this. I should have that. When the truth is, God provides for us. He takes care of every one of our needs. But sometimes our hearts are restless and we want more, we desire more. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 goes on to say, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arraigned like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He's saying, don't don't be concerned about these earthly things. God God will bring that together. God will work it all out. God's going to take care of your needs. God's going to provide for you when you say, God, I want to build your kingdom. God, I, I want to see people one for you. I, I, want, I want you to use my life for your glory. See, one of the reasons I love baby dedications is it is all about saying, okay, you know what? This baby is not about me. It, it's not going to fulfill my dreams of playing in the NFL someday. It's not about, you know, um, getting into the college that I wish I could have gotten in. It's none of those things matter. It's all about God's glory and God's purpose for this child's life. I love that because ultimately what we're saying is, is we want to be good stewards, not just of money or not just our times or talents or, or our time we spend with people, but I want to be a good steward of my children as well. That's a big deal. It's a lot easier for me to give money than it is to give up control of my kids. But ultimately God's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? This last portion of scripture is all about faith and fear. It's all about saying, okay, God, I trust you that your heart for me is right, even though I'm a little bit nervous how we're going to pay the bills. When I put your kingdom first, you're going to take care of me. I know you will, God. And that's what this portion of Scripture is about. It's about faith versus fear. And at the end of the day, people, people don't keep from giving to the church because they hate the church. I think the number one reason people don't give to the church and don't sow seed into God's kingdom is because they're afraid. How am I supposed to pay my bills? And I get it. I totally get it. But I will tell you, when we trust God, he will take care of us. He will build in the margin. He will do the things that we didn't think he could do. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 says this, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So you know what? Put my kingdom first, and I'm going to take care of the what you need. I'm going to fill in the gaps. Matthew 6, 34 says this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's so easy to worry about tomorrow. It's so easy to start thinking about what what does the future hold, especially in our nation right now. It seems like so much unrest, so many things going on, so many things to worry about and be afraid of. And what Jesus says here is, if you are my child, if you're a follower of God, there's nothing to be afraid of. Put your faith in God, lay your fear aside, and trust him. It's that simple. When it comes to our finances, that's a touchy area because it, so much of our life revolves around that. But I want to encourage you today that it's not about your money. It's about your heart. God wants your heart so badly. When, when he captures that, he's going to be able to do the miraculous, the unbelievable. If we'll just trust him with everything we are not just our money. The money's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> that terrifies some of you. But he wants your whole heart. He wants everything you are. And the good news is the trade-off is worth it. Absolutely. Every time. So that's my challenge to you today. Trust God. Let's choose the path of faith instead of fear. Let's pray. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for caring so deeply and passionately about us. God, I'm sorry for the times that I take that for granted, that I forget about it. 
And God, I pray right now you just minister in us and in our hearts. God, help us see how good you truly are to us and how much you love us and that you can be trusted and that we can put our faith in you. And Lord, when it comes to our finances and, and those kind of areas, God, Lord, it's so easy to, to have held values instead of operational values. But God, I pray that as we bring those things into alignment with you, God, I pray that you would bless us. Let us walk in your favor. God, have your way with us. Bless us. Speak to us over the next few moments. Now, if you're here today with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you say, Mel, I'm not really a Christian, but I want to be. I want to get some things right with God. I'm not really walking with Jesus, but I want to make sure I am. I want to get things right with the Lord today. I don't want anything to hold me back. If that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, that's me, I want to make some things right with God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to walk with him. If that's you, would you put your hand up real high so I can see it? And just let me pray with you right where you're at. Okay. All right, with nobody looking around, everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I need to learn to trust God more. Maybe it's specifically in the area of finance, but maybe for you, there's other areas of your heart that you're holding back and you say, okay, I just need to learn to trust God more and, and put away fear and I need God's help doing that. If that's you, would you be bold enough just to put your hand up and let me pray with you? Yeah, yeah, all over the room, thank you. Let me just pray with you right now. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God, that we can trust you. The Lord, um, every one of your promises are yes and amen to us. But Lord, we know that you are true. So Lord, I pray right now that, that we would begin to live our lives in a way that they would line up, that our lives would line up with the things we say and profess and value. So Lord, I pray right now, those that raise their hand, God, they would learn to trust you more. They would begin to place their faith in you more, God, that they would set fear aside and trust you. And no matter what area it is, Lord, whether it's their finances or their children are trusting you with uh, their, their home, their heart, their possessions, whatever it might be, God, I pray that we would learn to trust you without any reserve, that we would trust you and hold nothing back. So God, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us and reveal how good you are and how much you love us every single day. And I pray as you do, God, we would recognize that we can trust you more. So God, I pray a blessing on everyone here. God, those that raise their hand, God, I pray that you would bless them, let them walk in with you every single day and let their lives be aligned with yours, let their values be aligned with your values. God, I pray that as a church, we would be a radically generous entity, God, that we would be known as generous, Lord, because you are generous, Lord. Let us be known as a people who love to help and serve and support and bless others because you are a God that values those same things. So God, let us be that as us, as our people as individuals begin to value that more and more. God, we love you and we thank you and I praise you for what you're doing in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. We're going to sing one more song of worship together. And as we do, our prayer team is going to be on either side of this stage. If you need prayer for any reason, for any purpose at all, um, please find one of our prayer team members. We'd love to pray with you about whatever your need is. If, uh, if you have, you guys moved my table on me. If you have other prayer needs, there's a prayer card just like this one in your seat back. You can fill it out, drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. And uh, we're going to pray over these needs this week in our staff meeting. If you'd like to email us your prayer need, email it to us at prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know about that, and we will agree with you over your prayer needs as well. So why don't you stand to your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time before we're dismissed. I tell you guys this weekly, but I want you to know it. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Let's worship together.
enter in. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Well, good morning. How is everyone? How is it? Good. It's good to be back. I was in Haiti the last two Sundays with a team of 10 people from our church, and it was absolutely incredible. And honestly, I miss it, but not as much as I missed being here at home, here at the summit. And um, thank you for your generosity. Uh, many of you sponsor kids through Feed One, which we um, presented to you, I believe, in the fall of last year. And it's a feeding program that feeds um, kids through Convoy of Hope and Mission of Hope in Haiti that are doing incredible work. And we adopted as a church an entire school there. And so our team this week went and met some of the children. There's also an orphanage there on site. So we worked with 30 of the children at the orphanage that, that you sponsor and feed. And then many of the kids from the neighborhood that attend the school also came and we played and talked about the Lord. And, and then uh, we also, our church also funded a latrine um, because uh, there aren't very many sanitary conditions for children and, and adults to, to use the restroom. And so we started building a latrine. And can I tell you, there were eight women and two men. And we women did pretty good because, uh, yeah, I'm pre <laughs> I dug ditches for the first time in my life with a shovel, like two, you know, Steph and I did in Bertha Casey and, uh, and Zach, uh, Zach Sava. But uh, I text my dad a picture. I said, Dad, I dug ditches today. He was blown away, you know. <laughs> but seriously, they don't have resources to, to do machinery, so they do everything by hand. So we're talking rock-hard dirt that, the, that these guys are digging four feet in the ground. It's absolutely incredible. And um, we didn't get it finished, but we're hoping to get some pictures soon to, to let you see. But the cool thing is, is that they were able to employ some local Haitians and, and pay them with money that the summit has sent. A normal Haitian construction worker only gets paid 6 to $7 a day, a day. <laughs> and these guys are working in flip-flops and on nails and it's just incredible um, what they're willing to do. Um, they're strong, they're very strong and we're gonna be taking another team there next year but I just wanna say thank you for your generosity. You, we got to see the little lives that you're, you're feeding, that you're ensuring that they get a meal every day and that's absolutely incredible. So thank you for your generosity. If it weren't for you, you know, those kids might go hungry and um, we're making a difference here at the summit. When you give, you're making a difference. You're partnering with us to be able to make a difference throughout the world. And so um, on that note, when you give, always more than 10% of what we have come here in the summit, we give out towards missions. And if you would like to give today, we want to give you the opportunity to do that because God will bless you. And uh, you can do that online by going to summittogether.com and clicking give. You can also text 7977 Summit PA. That's what you text to that number, Summit PA to 77977. Or you can also um, pay with cash, and there's envelopes in the back of your chairs that you can fill out. We have offering boxes at the back as you exit today. But let me pray over our tithe and offering. God, I just thank you for. Your goodness, God, I thank you that you 
created every person on this planet, God, and you care about each and every person coming to know you. You care about our needs. You care about everything that has to do with us, God. And I just pray that as we give today, Lord, that you would multiply it, God. Some of us, some of the people in this room may feel like they have very little to give, Lord, but I pray that you would multiply whatever they give today. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person that is generous today, not just um, monetarily, God, but that you would just bless them with joy and happiness, knowing that they're making a difference. And God, we just give you all of the praise and all of the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one last final thing, Mel mentioned it at the beginning of service. I just ripped my earring out, so I'll find it later, no big deal. Um, but. She is Brave, our first women's conference is coming up on October 9th and 10th, and that may seem like a long way away, but it's less than two months away, ladies. We have an incredible lineup of speakers that God's blessed us with. Um, Annie Downs and Rebecca Lyons are both authors. Um, Annie speaks to college age and high school students, so if you have girls that are high school age and college age, they're going to love her. We also have Tiffany Thurston that's going to be coming back to lead worship, but it's going to be an incredible weekend that you don't want to miss. Tickets are only $35 right now for adults and $20 for students. And that price will increase on September 9th. So right now tickets are only available online at sheisbrave.org. Um, but next Sunday we will also begin to sell them. So you guys have a wonderful day and we will see you next week.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the summit. Go ahead and stand and worship with us. Um, joining us online at summittogether.com. Worship along with us, too. I just have some scripture I want to share with, with you guys this morning. Um, it's Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And it says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask that you, with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love, reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depths, rise in the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God.
yours. Everything that we have, all that we are, we place our lives in your hands. Because we have tasted and we have seen that you are good. Your mercy endures. And there is nothing separates us from your love.
worship you, Jesus. You are good and your mercy endures forever. We declare our faith in you today. Our trust and our hope is in you, Jesus. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I
trust is in you. We believe, Jesus. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. of some flight of fancy or some emotional stirring or but because God once we were dead and now we are alive because you've given us hope and hope make us not ashamed We are alive today because of you. Our lives are made different because of you. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. We are new creatures in you. We are new people. And Lord, we have not yet become what we shall be. We still struggle and we still live in these bodies. And in this broken world. So we pray, God, for your mercy and your grace. We pray that you would strengthen us in our weakness. Teach us to become more like you. Let our faith, God, inform our actions. Let the things that we do and say bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. Teach us what it means to truly love our neighbors as ourselves and to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That as we declare these words that we believe in you, that the way that we live will be in line with the words that we speak and that Jesus would be glorified. Help us to make much of you, Lord. In your name we pray.
Everybody said, amen. Yeah, give him one more praise. It's good to see you here this morning. It's already been said, but welcome to the summit today. What a great day to be here with all of you and to lift up Jesus. I look around you, shake hands with somebody, find someone you don't know and tell them you're glad to see them today. morning. How are we doing today, Summit Church? Hey, it's really good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. Now you can see me. It works out. Um, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're worshiping with us today. My name is Mel. and I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit. Uh, if you are a guest with us today, I want to say thank you for worshiping with us and making the Summit a part of your day. If you're watching online at summittogether.com, no matter where you are or how you're joining us, I want to say thank you for making the Summit a part of your day. I pray that God blesses you. I'm sure he already has. And I hope that you're not just a spectator today, but I hope you are engaging in what God is doing here. God's doing some really cool things here, and, uh, and I'm glad you're a part of it. So thank you for worshiping with us today. Um, pastor Dick is our associate pastor, and you guys know Pastor Dick and Cheryl. Uh, pastor Dick is not here today. He's over in Kenport at Kenport Assembly of God, and he is preaching over there today, filling in for their pastor. Um, they're a, a smaller church, but they're doing some great things in that area, a very you think we're rural? They are very rural over there. So uh, uh, Pastor Dick is gonna, filling in today and helping out over there. And so it's a good opportunity for him. He gives that pastor a break while they're on vacation. Uh, but with that said, uh, he's not here and we're doing baby dedications today. And so we had one of the first service and I didn't drop the baby or anything. So it went just fine. Uh, but uh, I'm going to invite the Langford family to come up and, uh, and bring their family with them. <clears throat> come on up, guys. It's great to see you today. Some of you guys might not know uh, the Langfords. Um, it's Dan and Melissa, and then um, it's Hope, Faith, and then the, the, the littlest baby here is Grace Evelyn. And she is a cutie. There's no way she's going to let me hold her, is there? <laughs> she's got that kung fu death grip on, on you. She's like, I'm going nowhere. That guy's way uglier than my dad, so I am not going to him. Yeah, I'm talking about me. Well, she is a cutie. Well, if you are new to this summit, <clears throat> or maybe you're uh, not from a church background like, like this, uh, we don't do infant baptisms at the summit. One of the things we do is dedications, um, because what we want to do is, is dedicate the children to the Lord, but really this isn't even about the children, it's about the family. And so uh, today is really more about the parents and the family than anything else, but it's about us saying, God, we're going to do our best to raise this child in a way that's going to glorify you, and then when the child is old enough to make a decision for you, um, then hopefully they will, basically. And so that's what today is all about. And, and baby dedications came from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, actually. When Samuel, um, before he was born, his mom 
was wanting a child. She wanted a baby badly. And so she was going to the temple and praying. And one of the, uh, one of the, the pastors basically said, he saw this woman and she was praying out loud and he thought she was drunk. So he rebuked her for being drunk. And she said, I'm not drunk. I just want a baby. I'm praying here. And so he, he prayed a blessing on her. And she basically made this deal with God. She said, God, if you will give me a child, I will give this child back to you. And um, what she was really saying is, God, um, I want a child, but I know your purposes and plans for my child are even bigger than mine are. I can trust you with my child. And so that's what she did. That's what she purposed to do. And, and that child that was born was Samuel, who became the greatest prophet in all of Israel and had two books of the Bible named after him. That's a pretty good deal, right? Um, and so that's really our hope for, for Grace Evelyn today is that, that she'll be raised in such a way that she'll have that fear of the Lord. So really what I want you guys to do and understand is that you guys are making a commitment today to do everything in your power to raise grace in a godly way, to um, raise her in a way that's not just based on your values, but based on the values of God and, and what he says and what his insights are. And we're challenging you to, to live each day consistently displaying the person and work of God in Grace's life so that she will see that. So that, do I need to take advantage of this right now? You want to come here, baby girl? You want to come here? I, I don't have to, okay, never mind. She just wanted to see the iPad. She's like, that's what I wanted. <laughs> and, and basically, we want you guys to live your lives in such a way that you're committing to say, um, what we teach grace and what we say and what we live and how we live everything out is going to line up together. That she's going to see a consistent lifestyle uh, of godly service and love and what that means. And so that's what we're asking you guys to do. So my question for you today is, do you commit to teach and train grace in God's word, demonstrating an example of godliness, disciplining her according to God's ways, and praying earnestly for grace every day? If so, say I do. Okay. And now you girls think that you're off the hook, but you're not, because as sisters, you have a lot of responsibility when it comes to her life. Your mom and dad have probably already told you that, that you have a lot of, a lot of um, responsibility, don't you? Not just, hey, go get me a diaper once in a while. <clears throat> but as she gets older, she's going to be looking at you guys, and she's going to be doing the things you do, and she's going to love the things that you guys love. And so you have a lot of responsibility to help her do the right things. And so I'm going to ask you guys the same thing. Do you guys, do you guys say, I'm going to do my best to help raise grace in a way that's going to glorify God? You're going to do your best to be a good example for her? Okay, so say, I do. Okay, now you're married. I'm just kidding. You're not <laughs> Now the question is for you guys, because this is a family, but they're part of our family as well. And you might be sitting here going, I don't even know them. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to raise their child. They don't want you to raise their child either, I believe, okay? So um, what we're asking the church to do, though, is make a commitment and just say, you know what? Um, just like it's their responsibility to raise this child, it's my responsibility to live a godly lifestyle so that when this child sees me and they know that and when Grace sees you and know that you go to the summit, that she's going to see a consistent lifestyle throughout, that it's, it's not going to cause her to stumble. And so my question for you today is, uh, do you as a church commit to demonstrate the example of godliness and pray earnestly for Grace and this family as you can and as you, as you remember? If so, just say, I do. All right, thank you. Um, is there any, can I try to hold her? I'm going to try. And if she screams and cries, she won't be the first woman that did so. <gasps> Hello, sweet baby. You are so pretty. Oh, you are so pretty. Can you get a shot of her? Nobody cares about seeing me. Everybody wants to see you. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Is she going to be freaked out or are we okay? 
We're going to keep her real close. Just pray with me while I pray for grace. Lord, thank you so much for this little girl. God, I thank you that you have a purpose and plan for her. That, Lord, before she was conceived, Lord, in the womb, you knew that you had a purpose for her and a plan. So, God, I pray right now that the purposes and plans you have for her will be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that you would bless her, direct her, help her to develop into a woman of God who's going to be a world changer and a life changer. That, Lord, she's going to see uh, people change because of your work in her life. So, God, I pray that you would have your way with her. Pray your blessing on Melissa and Dan as they endeavor to raise her in a godly way. I pray that you be glorified through her and through this life and through this family, God. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. She was about ready to bail out about halfway through that prayer. She's like, where's the ejection seat? All right, you going back to mama? Okay, thank you for letting me hold you. She's like, yeah, I'm getting away from this guy. Hey, guys, love you very much. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, Dan. Love you, man. Love you, Melissa. Girls are proud of you. All right, thank you guys so much. Well, we are finishing, uh, finishing, we're continuing a series on Sermon on the Mount. You're not so lucky. We got like three more weeks of Sermon on the Mount left. Um, <clears throat> but we're, we're moving into a portion today that um, we're coming down the home stretch. And we're going to uh, touch on a, um, a section that I've talked about before and shared about a little bit. Um, but before, get, before we get there, let me touch on a couple things. I mentioned guests earlier. Oh, I thought she was crying because you were taking her out. She's like, I want to stay with Mel, but she's not. You're leaving me with this guy? That's what she was saying. If you're a guest with us today, um, please fill out one of these guest cards. We'd love to connect with you. You can fill this card out, drop it off at our cafe. Uh, We'd love just to give you a free drink and say thank you for worshiping with us today. It's just a way to connect with you. Uh, Another great way to connect with us is through social media. So if you're on Facebook, you can like uh, Indiana Summit Church on Facebook. That's a good way to stay connected and just keep up to date on what's going on. Uh, also, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow us at uh, Indiana underscore Summit. Is that what it is? My mind just went blank for a second. So anyway, so follow us on all those. We'd love to connect with you any way we can. also want to remind you, if you missed our small group leader orientation, we've got another one coming up this Wednesday night. It'll be at 6 p.m. in this room. So if, um, if you missed the first one but you would still like to lead a small group, please join us this Wednesday night in here, 6 p.m., uh, it'll take about 45 minutes to walk through, um, talk about what we're going to be doing uh, and what we're going to be expecting. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about what God is doing through our small groups ministry here at the church and how people are getting connected in life. And so if you're here and maybe you're that person that says this church is getting too big, I don't know people, then the way you get connected is through small groups. So please get connected in a small group. Find some place to serve. We're going to help you uh, grow in relationships. The small groups orientation is this. Uh, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. for anyone who's interested in leading a group. I also want to let you know, uh, Kids Fest is coming up. It's uh, August 29th. It'll be here at the church. Uh, last year, we had uh, hundreds and hundreds, I don't know, 700, 800 people probably come out last year. It was a great event. Um, and uh, I know Pastor Matt and Kaylin have been working already on this. And so if you're interested, bring your friends, bring your neighborhood. It's a free event. Uh, so we'd love to see as many people possible as come out and just hang out with us. It's from 2 to 6, so it's come and go. We've got inflatables, and I think they've got pony rides and all kinds of things. So please be here that day. Bring as many people as you can. We'd love to see you for that. Um, one last thing real quickly. Uh, last year, I guess it was the um, spring of 2014, um, we had a Saturday night service here at the Summit. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, the Saturday night service, um, it, it was, uh, we didn't do it really well. 
the wor- it was different than our Sunday morning services. We didn't have child care. We didn't have any kids ministry. And the worship that we had on Saturday night looked very different than what we had on Sunday morning. And so when I came, we did that for a while, and we had a pretty good number coming to Saturday nights. But I just felt like if we can't do it well, if we can't, if, if it doesn't look like Sunday mornings, then I, I don't want us to do it. I want us to be make sure it's excellent. I want us to have high quality. I want to make sure people have a really good experience. And so we canceled Saturday nights. But my caveat was, we'll bring it back if we need it. And then that was my hope that we would have a point where we'd have to bring it back because we outgrew facilities and, and we are to that point. And so we're bringing our Saturday night services back. It'll be here September the 12th. That's a Saturday night. It's a Saturday following Labor Day. So the Saturday night following Labor Day, we're going to have Saturday night services here at 6.30 p.m. And our Saturday night services will look exactly like our Sunday morning. So you'll have the same excellent worship, you'll have the same excellent kids ministry, and you'll have the exact same mediocre preaching every service, okay? So um, if you're interested in Saturday nights, uh, we'd love for you to attend Saturday evening services, 6.30. So it will be an option for a lot of people to go, okay, that's great. Because uh, what we're wanting to do is create more space in our kids ministry. We are totally jam-packed with space. Uh, even through the summer, it's been pretty full, but we know as we get back into the fall, uh, it's going to be out of control. So we're adding that service on Saturday night so that we can give families an opportunity so we can spread those kids out a little bit and give our workers a break and, and help them. So with that being said, I know a lot of people come to a church like ours and they go, man, it's a big church. You look like you've got your stuff together. You probably don't need any help. Worship is good. Kids ministry is good. All these things seem to be fine. So you probably don't need any help. But the truth is, as we expand, we need help. And so this is an opportunity for you. Uh, if you are somebody who's been coming to the summit, maybe you consider the summit your home, but you've never really gotten plugged in or involved. This is an opportunity for you to get plugged in and involved. Because every area in our church, we need more workers. We need more volunteers. We need more leaders. And so I would love to just invite you on behalf of all of our leaders and staff to find a place to get involved, because there is a place for you to get involved. Whether you are a musician, uh, we need more help with the band and with the worship team. If you, are, uh, you have a heart for kids, you're passionate about children, there are places for you to serve in our kids' ministry. Uh, maybe you have uh, a hand and a smile that's perfect for our greeter ministry. That's all you need. Like, just smile and greet people. And it's not the creepy, weird smile, but, you know, like, greet them. So there's a place for you to serve. And the great thing about serving is it's not just about what we can get from you, but it's about what we can do for you. Because it gives you an opportunity to be used in your giftings and connect with people in relationships. Because when you serve alongside people, uh, you get to know them really well. And you get to know their heart and you start building those relationships. So I want to encourage you. Um, Saturday nights are coming, uh, coming up soon. And this is an opportunity not just to have another option for worship, but it's an opportunity for you to get plugged into serving someplace as well. And so I want to encourage you to stop by the Info Center today before you leave. Uh, you can fill out a, a volunteer application there in the Info Center, or you can go to our website, and I believe you can download the form from there as well. So please uh, consider that. We would love for you to be involved and, and be a part of what God is doing here. It's really exciting. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, parking lot expansion is going on as we speak. Um, and and if, if you're the kind of person that is freaking out over us, tearing down the trees and cutting down the trees over here. I'm very sorry. We're providing warmth for families because of that, um, and we're going to be expanding the parking lot. So in the next few weeks, by the middle of uh, September, you're going to see about 140 more parking spots in our parking lot to make it easier to find parking, get in and out of our parking lot. So all those things are coming. So thank you for your uh, patience as we expand and see God work here at the summit. Uh, let me, if it's okay with you, let me jump right into this. If you've got questions about Saturday night service or any of those kind of things, I'll be around following service. I'd love to answer questions for you. As we get into the text for today, it's, we start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And again, this is Jesus preaching. Um, 
and it's, it's one of the most important messages ever. He's preaching this to a huge crowd of people, not just believers and followers of Jesus, but, but religious leaders who were out to get him. It was a really diverse group and crowd. And so Jesus is laying out the word for them. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, the, where thieves do not break in and steal. So, so really what Jesus is doing in this passage is he, is he is asking a really important question. He's saying, what is it you treasure? And maybe more importantly, he's confronting what we do treasure. Because what he's saying is... Um, you should not just treasure the things we see in this world, but you should treasure the unseen things, the spiritual things, the things of God, because those things have real value. Uh, how many of you know the things in this world will break down? They will fall apart. The, the brand new car you think you can't live without, guess what? You, you buy it, whether you take out a loan, you pay cash for whatever the case is for you, you, you buy this brand new car, and the second you walk, drive it off the lot, what does it do? It depreciates, right? It loses value immediately. The home that you think we got to have this dream house, you buy the dream house and you can afford the payments, but then things start to go wrong, right? And you, you got to maintain the house. You got to fix the house. You got to do, you're investing in that house. The, the house is breaking down. Even our bodies, if you work out and if you keep yourself in as good a shape as me, you know this. Our bodies are breaking down, aren't they? We're not getting better with age. <laughs> we're getting closer to death, okay? That's bad news. But the truth is, um, we're, we are breaking down, every one of us. The other day, I was uh, trying to do a very manly thing and, and fix, um, fix, we had a leaky faucet in, the, in my bedroom, in the master bath, bathroom. So I was under the sink, and I'm fixing this leaky faucet, and I'm turning the wrench, and I barely bump the wrench to this uh, pipe and uh, a hole bursts like and water starts gushing out really it wasn't it was about as big as my pinky but there was full of water and so it's pouring out and and of course I handled it very masculinely I went like you know I covered it up with my hand like that'll prevent it like that'll solve it I'll just cover it with my hand now the water won't be able to escape and of course and I was like well, what do I do now so Water's everywhere. I'm soaking it up. I'm, you know, trying to get this thing fixed. But the truth is, that pipe had been there for years. And what happened? It decayed. It, it, it corroded. The things of this world will pass away. You know, I said this uh, last week or the week before, but my citizenship is not in the United States or not in Pennsylvania or not in Indiana County. My citizenship is in heaven because all those things are going to pass away. But heaven will not. And so what Jesus is doing in a very practical way is he's confronting our values. He's saying, what is it that you really love in your life? What are the things you really value in your life? Is it the things on earth or is it heavenly things? And people like to say, hey, pastors, you're not supposed to talk about money. You're not supposed to talk about possessions. You know, that's all you guys care about. But the truth is, Jesus talked about this stuff a lot. In fact, he, I mean, he's pretty confrontational about this. Like, hey, don't worry about this world and what you have. Worry about heaven. That's basically what he's saying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 goes on to say, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying is our heart follows our treasure. When we invest in something, our heart follows that. If you've ever invested in any stock, 
Um, you understand this. You, you, you pay a little bit of money, you get involved in the stock, and even if you got one share of that stock, it's so easy to, to look in the paper and see what the, what the stock price did. Okay, it's up 10 cents from yesterday. That made me 30 cents. Okay, fantastic, right? Or, or you're, you're looking at the stock ticker on Fox or MSNBC or whatever it is, and you're watching. Why? Because you've invested there, and that's now where your heart is. Um, I've, I've said this before, but my girls used to be involved in dance, and I don't know if you can tell this by looking at me, but I do not love theatrical dance very much, okay? I'm not a huge fan. But when we invested in our girls to be involved in dance, guess what? I became a fan. And it was not just because of my girls, but I wanted to know what was going on because we were invested in that program. We were paying money into that program, so I wanted to know what was happening there. Does that make sense? My heart was following my, my, my treasure, but our heart and our treasure, this relationship, are inseparable. So I would say that, that there are times our treasure follows our heart as well. Uh, and if you don't believe me, think about this for a second. Um, there, are, there are those of you in this room that if I said, hey, I want you to spend a bunch of money on some books today. You'd be like, books? Why would I have to? Book? Come on now. When am I buying books? I said, no. As your pastor, I'm saying go home and buy three books of your choice, whatever it is on Amazon today. You'd be like, oh, God. But my daughter, she would love it. Why? Because she's crazy about books. I think I told you last week, if I want to punish her, I don't take away electronics, I take away books. No reading for you, young lady. You're watching some television. She's like, Daddy, no, right? It's not fair. But when she makes some money, she already hasn't spent on books. She already knows what books she's going to buy. But for some of you, you're like, books is the last thing I would buy if I had some money, if some excess cash, Right? But for her, it's no big deal. She's already got a spend. She already knows where it's going. Books, it's like money is flying out of her pocket to buy books because she loves books. She loves to read. <clears throat> There's some of you in this room that when it comes time to hunting season, some of you are like, hey, I got a gun with me right now, Mel. You better watch it. When it comes to hunting season, you've, you've already invested in the lease, in your weapons, in your ammo, in your uh, in your gear, in your clothing, in your, you know, scent that you're going to put on, you have invested money, thousands and thousands in those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to hunting, the money flies out of your pockets. It is no big deal. It is not a chore for you to give toward those things. Because what? Your treasure is following your heart. Does that make sense? Now, before you think I'm one of those that is anti-gun, uh, I've got some guns in my house, and if you'd like to see them, come into my house unexpectedly about 2 a.m., and I will show you my guns, okay? So <clears throat> you will get an up-close and personal view of my weaponry I've got in my house. Um, but the point is this, that we spend money on the things we love, and we don't have a hard time doing it. <clears throat> I love baseball, and so it is not a big deal for me to go to a baseball game and, and spend some cash on baseball, because... I go to a game, and I, and I don't want to just get a ticket. I want to get a good ticket. Like, I want to be able to sit close and see the game well. And I want to feel what's going on. I want to smell the sweat. And, like, you know, when they slide in a second, I want the dust to, like, wash over me. Like, that's what I want to experience. So what do I do? I, I, I don't mind spending some money on good tickets. But, but if you go to a ball game, you can't just go to a ball game, right? You, you go to a ball game, and you got to get a hot dog or if you're from Pittsburgh, you got to get Permani Brothers at the ball game or whatever it might be. And so you got to get some food. And so you, you go to the concession line to get some food, and you're standing in line, and you get to the line, and they say, uh, can I take your order? And you order, I'd like, 
a large souvenir drink because you can't just get a drink. You got to get the souvenir drink because my wife loves it when I bring home 32-ounce plastic cups and fill her cabinets with them. So I will get the souvenir drink, and, and I don't just want the hot dog, I want the jumbo dog, and, and I'll take the large fries, because hey, we're at a ball game, so I'm getting the large fries, and then they give me the total, and then I have to fill out a loan application to pay for the food that I've just ordered at the ball game. But it's no big deal, do you know why? Because I love it. It's baseball, it's fun, and what's happening, my treasure is following my heart. I'm, I'm spending money on something I love, so it's not like even spending money. It's just it's flying out of my pockets because I love it. Does that make sense? And we all have things in our lives. There are women in this room that, that, that if your job in life was to buy shoes, you'd be the most successful entrepreneur that ever lived. Shoes upon shoes. Why? Because you love shoes. Money flies out of your pocket towards shoes. And we all have areas of our life that we spend like that. And it's not a chore for us to do it because we love those things. And so what Jesus is doing in a very practical way is saying, what is it you value? What is it you treasure? What is it you love? Is it, is it simply earthly things or do you love the things of heaven as well? In business, you hear sometimes people talk about held values versus operational values. And so basically held values are, are the values that they want to have, they profess to have, that this is who we are as a company or organization. And then operational values is who they actually are, what they do in real life. So you've all seen politicians that have said uh, in a campaign, they're like, hey, I'm all about family values, right? And, and is there any politician that says I'm not about family values? I mean, I, I got to stop right there. I'm going to get into some trouble. <laughs> Back up. Okay, I'm good now. But you'll see politicians, and they'll say things like, I'm all about family values, and I love family, and they'll have photo ops with their family and their wife and their kids, and they're smiling, and they seem so sincere, but they're, they're, they're for abortion. And, and six months into their first term, you find out they've got a mistress, and they've been running around, and, and you're like, well, you say you have family values, but it doesn't really look like you do, Right? So what you're saying is, uh, my held value is that families are important, but my operational value is, meh, whatever. And the truth is, we're not any different. I would love to say we are, but we're not. We all tend to say things and then live a little differently if we're not careful. We'll do things like um, say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not a bigot, I'm not a racist. I love people no matter what their color are, is. And then we get around a group of friends and we'll tell a racist joke. That's operational and held values, two different things. We'll say things like, you know, I love, I love my country. I love the United States. You know, this is the best country in the world. But then we cheat on our taxes. And we fail to vote in local or national elections. So we say we love our nation, but then we're too busy to, to go exercise the vote. Do we really love our country? We say things like, my child's education is so important to me. But then you don't go to any of your kids' parent-teacher conferences. You, you don't know what's going on. You're not engaged in the school at all. But you say, my child's education is really important to me. What I'm saying today is we have held and operational values that sometimes don't align, that are two separate things. And what Jesus is saying to us is the things we treasure should motivate us to action. And in fact, the things we treasure do motivate us to action. But sometimes it's the wrong action. 
Sometimes it's the wrong thing. The truth is, what we spend our money on, it tells us what our treasure is. So we can say our treasure is God, God, I love you. And we can sing the songs in here and talk about the goodness of God. And then we can walk out of here and our operational values say something different than our held values. Does that make sense? The truth is, where we spend our money, it reveals what we actually treasure and value. And this is why generosity is so important. Generosity is necessary to align those values. What happens in our life when we begin to give generously, not not a tip here and there, not a, hey, I'm going to drop a five in the offering box, or not a, hey, I'm going to give a a $6 tip instead of a $7 tip at uh, at Get and Go or at, at Eaton Park, that's what it was, at Eaton Park after service today. What I'm saying is when we are purposefully generous in our lives and we say, God, this is what I'm going to do to bring glory to you, what happens is our, our operational and our, um, our held values line up. They begin to come into alignment because what happens is the things we say are important start becoming really important. The purpose of the tithe in the Old Testament was not for God to capture people's money. The purpose of the tithe in the Old Testament was to capture people's hearts. That's what it was all about. It was helping their values come into alignment with God's. And some people would say, well, the Old Testament, they, you know, tithe is just the Old Testament. It's not New Testament. You know, that, that stuff, it, it, was, it mattered then. It doesn't matter today. Today we're under grace. We're not under law. But if you remember back in Matthew chapter 5, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I preached this. Jesus said... And he said, hey, I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets. No, I've come to fulfill them. And in fact, any of you who loosens or slackens or relaxes the laws will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So, so when we say things like, eh, it doesn't really matter if you give or not, what we're doing is we are slackening, we're loosening what the law says. And what Jesus did throughout the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at this, what did he say? He said, hey, uh, it's not enough that you just don't, um, commit adultery. He said, you feel good about not committing adultery, but guess what? I'm raising the standard. Now I don't want you to lust. He said, you know what? You've heard it said not to murder, but guess what? I don't want you to be angry with them in your heart. I don't want you to have hatred in your heart towards your, your brother. So what Jesus was doing is raising the bar. And so I'm not saying that, that uh, everybody is 20% tithes what we're doing now, anything like that. But what I'm saying is, if anything from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Jesus is raising the standard and saying, hey, it's not just about an amount of money, it's about your heart. What is going on in your heart to drive and motivate you to be generous and to live generously? Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 says this. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, what Jesus was saying is the eye is the lens by which we filter everything through. Um, And the things we think about, look at, and set our gaze upon are the things that we will desire. The things we look at. And study and pay attention to. Those are the things we're going to want. And at the end of the day, the things that we desire set the course for what we're going to become. Um, I've seen this over and over and over. Uh, Somebody, well-intentioned, God-fearing person will go, you know what, we need need a a new house. The house we have is fine, but I want want the bigger, shinier house. So we're going to do that. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have to get a second job and... 
uh, honey, you're going to have to get a part-time job too, and we're going to have to pull the kids out of um, T-ball, and we're not going to be able to do this, but this is what we're going to do. So essentially what they've done is they've said, um, I've seen this house I want, and now my the course of action I'm going to take is dictated by this house. Does that make sense? They've set their eye on something, and it dictates action for them, how they'll live, how they'll respond. How many of you are old enough to remember it? See, next week, IEP students will be back in full force next week. So they would, they would look at me with like deer in headlights. How many of you remember uh, Christmas catalogs that would come in the mail? Does anybody remember Christmas? Oh, yeah. I see that hand. Yes, praise the Lord. Um, one of the greatest days of my young life is when uh, the Christmas catalog would come in the mail from JCPenney. The JCPenney Christmas catalog. It was a great day. I loved it. And I'll tell you why. Um, growing up, we were not poor, but we had three channels, okay? NBC, ABC, and CBS, and PBS, okay, which is the, yay, PBS, because we all love Lawrence Welk, okay? So um, four channels, like three and a half channels, really. I had no interweb, no Facebook, no, uh, no iPad, iPod, nothing, okay? I had Nintendo, the old school kind, and that was it. So JCPenney catalog would come in the mail. Oh my gosh, it was the greatest day of my life. It would, it would arrive and it would like a beam of sunlight in the hallelujah chorus and it was like awesome. So I would get that catalog and I would lay in the living room floor on my stomach and I would sit there and I would flip the pages and I have my pen and I would circle things. I'm like, yep, I want that and that, I want that. And I flip and I want that and I'll take that as well. I'll take two of those. And I would make my list in June. <laughs> For what I wanted in December. Why? Because I would see these things and I would let it, I would let it just get in me that, man, I have to have the He-Man Castle Grayskull, mama. That's what I want for Christmas. If Santa Claus is a good Santa Claus, he's bringing me Castle Grayskull, right? What happened? I would see this in a catalog and I would say, I have to have this. It shaped my behavior the rest of the year. My parents loved June to December because I was the best behaved kid in the world. They'd just hold up the catalog or they'd give me a little reminder and I'd fall right into place, right? So what was happening? My eye was set on something that I desired and my behavior was motivated by attaining what I looked at. Does that make sense? In the same way, when we view things in this world, we've got a filter. Our eyes are like filters. And if, if our heart is right with God, then our eyes will filter the right things. And we're going to see things through a lens of how does this further the kingdom of God? How does this help me reach more people? How does this influence or help me influence more people? How does this help me build relationships that, that are gonna, I can leverage into kingdom conversations? But so many times when we see things, we see them through the lens of, I want that. How does this benefit me? How does this help me? How does this improve me? And what Jesus was saying is, hey, the way you see things, the way you view things is so important. Make sure you're doing it in the right way. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus goes on and says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, the word translated from the Aramaic for money here is mammon. It's M-A-M-M-O-N. And, and mammon, it's, it comes from a Latin word. It's used in a lot of different ways, different cultures, things like that. But basically it means uh, riches or money. But in the Hebrew context, what it means is riches or money in which one trusts. So, so 
if you add that part to the end of that scripture, it says you cannot serve God and money in which one trusts. So see, sometimes we'll hear scripture like this and we'll go, oh, money's evil, money's terrible. And we'll hear a passage from 1 Timothy that says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we go, okay, money's bad. But money's not bad. Money is just money. It's just pieces of paper. That's all it is with ink on it. And that, that's basically it. But the purposes we use it for are, are what determines whether it's good or evil. And so for us, when we, when we look at this passage, Jesus is saying, hey, um, you can't serve money and God. What he's really saying is you can only put your trust in one thing. You can't put your trust in God and money. It's either or, one or the other. You're putting your faith in one or the other. So we can't say, God, I trust you, you're my provider, but then I better figure out how to get myself out of this financial situation. We can't very well say, God, you are my source, but then we live our lives as if our job is our resource. Because this is the thing, uh, I get paid from the summit. Some of you might not realize that. I get paid to work here, okay? Um, but the summit is not my source. It, it is just the vehicle by which I receive my income. God is my source for everything. So if, if tomorrow I found out um, I was not going to get paid at the summit anymore, I lost my job, something happened, and I was no longer welcomed here, um, do, do you know what I would do? I would go find another job because this is not my source. God is my source. God's going to provide for me. God's going to take care of me. Um, there are people in our church right now that are looking for work. And, and my encouragement for you is God is your source. No matter what your job title is, no matter who your employer is, God is your source. And so what God is saying, what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6 is you can only serve one God. Who are you putting your trust in? Are you putting your trust in our Heavenly Father, are you putting your trust in money? And a good litmus test for this is when, when you have problems financially, what do you do first? You go fill out a credit card application? Do you figure out who you can call? Or do you go, okay, God, I need, to, I need you to help me here. I, I need you to work here. And this is not about manipulating God into giving us money. It's about saying, God, I trust you and not myself, not the resources of this world. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, therefore I tell you. And so basically when Jesus says therefore, he's saying because of everything I just said, it transitions to this thought. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And it's so easy to see the wrong things in this life. It's so easy to get our eyes focused on the wrong things because the truth is when our heart is right with God, he provides for us. He takes care of us. He gives us all of our needs, takes care of all of our needs, right? And, but sometimes we get focused on the things that aren't necessarily needs and then we wonder why God doesn't provide for those things. Like, well, God, I wanted the supercharged Hemi instead of this one. Like, you're no, God must not be very good because he didn't give me the exact thing I wanted. Well, it's like, no, 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 God's good. He knew you would probably get in a wreck if you had the... Uh, supercharged Timmy, or he would knew you'd get in tickets, or he knew, you know, right? So sometimes we say, God, you're not giving me what I want, but God is giving us exactly what we need. The other day I was in Lowe's with Emma, my youngest, she's nine, and, um, and I'm very thankful for the house we live in. We've got a nice house, 
Um, but it is not brand new. It is not state-of-the-art. It is not super updated. And so we were walking through Lowe's, and I was going to get this manly piece of pipe for the plumbing. And um, I'm going in the plumbing section, and Emma says, Daddy, can I go right over here? And I look, and she wants to go to the section with, like, the cabinets and the, you know, the home area of Lowe's. I'm like, yeah, whatever, go ahead. So she walks over there, and so I'm getting what I need, and then she walks back over, and she says, Daddy, can, can you come here? I want to show you something. Okay, so we walk over, and we're walking through the section, and she says, Dad, do you see this countertop right here? Yeah, and she said, this is the one we need in our house. I said, what is, what is wrong with the one we've got? And she said, well, nothing, but I really want our house to be like the houses on HGTV. And I thought, you watch too much HGTV, apparently. Like, we are cutting that off. That's going to be on the block list at our house for you now. Is it bad to have granite countertops? No, it's not bad to have granite countertops. But what she was saying is, our lives would be better if we had this granite countertop. I would feel better about our house. I would feel, right? Does it make any difference? No, it doesn't make any difference. Is it bad if you've got it? No, it's not bad if you've got it. But for us, it's what is the motivation behind it? What is the heart behind it? Why, why do we get anxious about those things? Why do we long for things like that so much that it, it causes anxiety in our life, that we worry about things that are inconsequential? Does it matter if I have granite countertops? No. Is it going to impact anybody's life in this world if I have granite countertops? No. Do you know what it'll do? It'll let me cut on the countertops without slicing up the, uh, the, the countertops. That's it. It'll look fancy and it'll make me feel better. Does it matter in the world? No, not a bit. So why would we care about those kind of things? Why would we get anxious? Why would we worry? Why would we think about it? Again, it comes back to our values. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 goes on to say, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Jesus is calling them out and saying, you know what, You've, you're living in fear instead of faith. You're worried about the things that the unbelievers are worried about, and you don't need to be. You, you need to lay that stuff down. What Jesus is talking about is fear versus faith. He's saying you need to value the things of heaven more than you value the things of this world. And when you do, it will help you lay your fear down because you're going to have the right perspective on this life. Verse 32 says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And this is, Jesus is acknowledging there's things you need in this world, and your Father sees that. But listen to this. In verse 33 he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He said, If you will value the things that God values, God will fill in the gaps of your life. God, God will give you joy in, in who you are and what you have, and you won't have to worry about, do I have the granite countertops or not? Because even if you don't, you're still going to feel fulfilled because you're seeking the kingdom of God first. Your values and the values of God are, are going to be lined up. Your treasures will be the things that God treasures for you. Verse 34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. What we're talking about basically is worry and fear versus faith. What are we trusting in? What are we believing in? Are we believing in our own ability, our own strength, our own power? 
to make it through? Or are we trusting God and saying, God, I need your help in this situation? Uh, do we value the things of God enough to say, I'm willing to invest in those things in those areas? Because again, God does not need your money. He's not wringing his hands trying to figure out how he's going to pay the electric bill this month. God's just fine. But what he recognizes is that your heart is on the other side of your finances. Not just your finances. Your finances, and this is going to freak some of you out, it's the tip of the iceberg for God. Because God wants every part of you. Every single part of you. Because when we are fully devoted and committed to follow Christ the way he wants us to, this whole community will be radically transformed. This county does not stand a chance. Western PA will be transformed by what God is doing through the people of this church when we really get it. It's not about our money, it's about our hearts. This whole, this whole passage, really the whole Sermon on the Mount has been about the condition of our hearts. Where is our heart at? It's about living the law versus having the heart, our heart right before God. It's about the, the outward righteousness versus the inward righteousness. God wants our heart to be right. And this is a tool, generosity is a tool that helps our heart be aligned with God and our, our heart to be right with God. So I just wanna challenge you today. What are you trusting in? What are you believing in? Are you living by faith or are you living by fear? Let's pray. God, I love you. And I'm thankful that you love us. And that you love us more than we can even understand or imagine. So God, I pray right now you bless the next few moments. Open up our hearts. Let them be tender to, to, to you, to your Holy Spirit. And let us respond in a way that will glorify you. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Mel? Um, I don't really trust God with my life, but I want to. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision for Christ. You've never made him Lord of your life. But today you recognize the fact that you need to and you want to and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. And that's, that's the ultimate trust, saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my, with my soul, with who I am. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you right where you're at. I want to introduce you to Jesus, help you begin your journey with him. So if you're here today and you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life, I want to trust him with my life. If that's you, would you put your hand up real high and let me pray with you no matter where you're at? Thank you. Over here on my left, a couple hands, three hands. Thank you. Several of you can put your hands down. Awesome. Who else says that to me? Pray for me. I want to make him Lord of my life today. I want to trust him with, with my heart, with my life. Okay. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to repeat this really simple prayer after me. So everyone in this room, repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give my life to you and I'm holding nothing back. I'm asking you to change me for your glory. I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. And I'm never turning back to my old ways. Thank you for loving me. I choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause for three people that made decisions today? Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, made that decision, uh, there's a card in that, nope, that's a visitor card. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. It looks just like this one. It's our prayer card. On the back of that, it says salvation or rededication. If you would, fill this card out. 
uh, and just let us know about the decision you made. Drop it in our offering boxes as you leave today. Uh, we want to pray with you about your decision, help you on your journey, uh, because the truth is we want, we want you to not just get to know Jesus, but to grow in your relationship with him so you can become a disciple and follower of Jesus. So please fill that out. Drop it in the offering boxes as you leave today. Uh, if you would, bow your head and close your eye with me one more time. If you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, but man, I really need, there's areas in my life that I really need to learn to trust God with. Maybe for you it's finances, but maybe it's some other area, but you say, there's some areas in my life I need to learn to trust God with them, and I need prayer for that today. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and let me pray with you? Yeah, a bunch of you all over the room. Let me just pray with you right now. God, I thank you that you are good. Lord, we sang about it earlier, but Lord, you are truly good, and we know that we can trust you. So Lord, I pray as we begin to trust you with different areas of our life, Lord, whether it's our finances or our kids or just control in different areas, whatever it might be, God, I pray that we would see that we can trust you, that, Lord, you would demonstrate to us over and over and over again the goodness of your heart and your character and let us realize and recognize that we can trust you. And God, as we do, let our hearts, Lord, be set on fire for you. Lord, let us, Lord, be set ablaze for your glory. God, let us fall desperately in love with you, Lord, more so than ever before. Let us grow in our faith. And God, I pray as we do, we would be a city on a hill. We would be set apart, Father, that people would see our lives and know that there's something different. So God, I pray your blessing on every one of us that raised our hand and said we need some help in some areas. I pray that you'd come alongside them this week. Let them see some areas that they can be more faithful with, that they can allow you to, to, to work in their lives. So Lord, we believe in you, we trust in you, and when we're giving you our hearts today, and I'm just asking you to, to use them for your glory. So God, have your way with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now listen, um, what we do now is we go back into one more song of worship before we're dismissed. Um, we're going to sing together, and the prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage. And if you need prayer for any reason, we want you to find one of our prayer team members. We want to agree with you in prayer and, uh, and just believe with you for whatever your circumstance is, whatever's going on in your life. Also, this prayer card in that seat back in front of you, you can fill this out. Drop it in the offering boxes as you leave. We pray over every one of these in our staff meeting every week. We believe with you over your needs. And then if you want to email us your prayer needs, you can do that at prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know about your prayer need. And, uh, and we're going to agree with all those needs in our, in our uh, staff meeting on, on Monday morning. So let us know what's going on with you. We're going to agree with you in prayer. Stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time. And then in just a moment, Kim's going to come and dismiss us. I want you to know I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Let's worship together.
Well, good morning, everyone. Don't you love seeing our youth involved in our worship team? Thank you, Tyra and Landon over there, just drumming. But I love seeing students up here and involved. And um, I'm so glad to see you all today. I just got back from Haiti, um, I guess early Monday morning, technically, about one in the morning with our team. We had 10 of us went to Haiti for a week. So that's why I've been out a couple of Sundays. And can I just tell you, it was incredible. Uh, many of you sponsor kids through Feed One. It's something we presented to you last fall, I believe. And um, it's a partnership with Convoy of Hope. They go into schools in Haiti and feed kids, really. it's um, Most of them, it's their only meal of the day. So many of you sponsor children. We, as a church, sponsored an entire school. So around, I think, 266 children get fed every day because the summit, because you partner with, with us and, and with Feed One. And so we got to um, go to the school where, um, where we feed these kiddos and see, put actual, like, little faces with the kids that, that we're feeding. And um, that was so powerful. Um, they're not in school right now, but there is an orphanage there on site as well that um, attends the school. So there were 30 little boys, um, teenage boys, all the way to little, little boys there. And then a lot of the neighborhood kids that attend the school would come every day. And we tell them about God and play games and just love on them. And um, I think they have some pictures probably that they'll be throwing up. But another thing that we did was we also uh, began work on a latrine, which I can honestly say, like, um, I grew up on like 32 acres, but my dad never let me mow the lawn or anything. I, I was really spoiled. So, but I dug a ditch like for the first time in my life. It was like a proud moment, you know. It was also my birthday week, so I can say I turned 37 in Haiti, and I also dug some ditches. So it was a, a proud week for me. But um, we as the summit uh, gave, and we... Um, are funding this latrine so that the kids can have a sanitary place to use the restroom because that's just hard to come by there. And uh, we didn't finish it. They'll be sending us some pictures of the finished work. But the cool thing is, is that um, we really bonded as a team. We got to really see that our money that we're sending out of here is really making a difference. And then also we were Convoy of Hope through our funds is able to employ some Haitian workers to finish the latrines. And these guys typically only get paid $6 a day. Now, I would venture to say that if you were doing hard construction work and your boss told you you're only going to get paid $6 a day, you'd probably say, no, thanks. I'll go work at McDonald's, right? <laughs> probably. Um, but thankfully, through Convoy of Hope and through our partnership, we're able to pay them more and um, give these guys a job for a few weeks at least. And so I just want to say that you... When you give to the summit, you really are making a difference. I saw it with my own eyes this week. And um, you really are being a part of not only seeing lives here changed in Indiana, but all around the world. And um, that's a really cool thing. And when you give, we as a church also send out money. We don't keep it and hoard it here for the summit, but we are all about being generous and making a difference in our, in our world. And that's really awesome. So I just want to encourage you today, when you give, just realize that when you write that check or when you're um, paying with the, your credit card or however you pay, pray over this. Just say, God, like, 
Whatever I'm giving today, let it be multiplied by your hands and your work and let it make a difference. Let it change lives because that's what you're doing when you give. And so if you would like to give today, you can give online by going to summittogether.com. You can also, um, there's an envelope in the seat back in front of you that looks like this. You can put a cash or a check in it, and there's offering boxes at each exit when you leave today. You can also um, t give by texting to 77977, and you text Summit PA to 77977. And those are the ways that you can give today. But we thank you for your generosity. I appreciate it so much. Well, let me pray over you. God, I just thank you for... Um, God, just loving us so much, Lord. I thank you for the blessings that we really do have here in America. God, the things that we take for granted, God, let our treasure be your treasure. Let our heart be your heart. And God, you have a generous heart, a heart that desires to see people fed, a heart that desires to see people know you above all else. God, and I pray that you would um, bless every giver today, above and beyond, God, that you would take the little they're giving today and multiply it for your glory and for your good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last little thing I have to share is our women's conference is coming up on October 9th and 10th. And I love that they sang the song that they did here at the end, um, You Make Me Brave, but it is called She Is Brave. And ladies, this is gonna be a conference you don't wanna miss. We have an incredible lineup of speakers that God's really just given us favor to be able to bring in. But we have Annie Downs, who uh, really is excellent at reaching uh, teenagers and college-age students. She's written three books. Um, she's a very well-known author. And then we have Rebecca Lyons, who is also an author of a book called Free Fall to Fly, but she's an incredible speaker. We have Tiffany Thurston, who if you came to Brave last fall, um, she led worship for us. She'll be back with us again. She's also Natalie Grant's background vocalist. So if you were at Dare to Be, she was here singing for that. And then we have Becky Hennessy, who is my mentor and one of the reasons um, who I am today in ministry. And you're going to love her. So make plans to attend. Tickets are available online right now. Sheisbrave.org. Prices go up September 8th, so if you want to get the best seats and you want to get the best prices, get them today. Um, and then we will begin selling tickets here in-house next Sunday, but don't wait. Get your tickets and tell your friends about it. It's going to be a life-changing weekend for sure. But you guys have a great week, and we will look forward to seeing you.